Overseas now and German police have arrested 25 members connected to a far-right group accusing them of preparing a violent overthrow of the state. Prosecutors say the alleged plotters were inspired by QAnon and the deep state conspiracy theories of Germany's Citizen of the Reich movement. Joining me now is Dr Josh Roos, an expert in political extremism, who is a senior research fellow at Deakin University. Hi there, Josh. Good evening. Josh, just how significant are these arrests and what exactly is the ideology behind this group? This is an incredibly important development. Uh, We know that uh, for many years uh, Germany has harboured a far-right movement uh, that has been effectively surveilled by the German state and security apparatus. And and there's been numerous plots that have been disrupted over that time. But the sheer scale of the last 24 hours and what we've seen with approximately 25 arrests across 11 German states involving thousands of police indicates just how significant the threat was. Among those arrested was a 71-year-old aristocrat who calls himself Prince Heinrich XIII. The group allegedly had plans to install him as the country's leader. Josh, you speak to the scale of this. What do you make of the individuals involved here? It's it's easy to downplay the seriousness um, when you look at some of the characters involved and, and listen to some of the rhetoric. But what we need to understand is that this was a highly organised group We know that they uh, had paramilitary organisational structures. We know that they had military training. Uh, Many of them had military training or links to special forces uh, or police. And so to that extent, the fact that they had a level of training and access to firearms and and other weapons indicates that not only was there a level of organisation, but there was a level of willingness to carry out an attack. Mm. And and, and then it comes down to where the attack uh, was to take place. And this was to be a symbolic attack targeting uh, the Bundestag, the uh, German parliament building effectively, and um, and really to that extent it's an attack on democracy and it's an attack on um, effectively liberal democratic values. The suspects reportedly also include a far-right former member of Germany's parliament and members of the German military. Does that pose even greater concerns for anti-terrorism authorities? It is because there will be questions about the extent to which groups such as this have infiltrated German military, German policing and, and so on. I mean, on the bright side, the fact that this plot was intercepted well before it could actually conduct any such attack is some indication of, of that the German government do have this under control. Mm. But what they don't have under control is the ideological strain that, that we're seeing. It's fused with uh, conspiracy movements. It is highly anti-Semitic and anti-migrant. But it's also drawing upon international inspiration. This has some parallels to what we saw in the US with the uh, Oath Keepers and and Proud Boys wanting to storm the US Capitol building. Mm. Even conspiracy theorists talking about storming Parliament House here in Australia. Uh, This is uh, effectively a movement that situates itself not only in opposition to democracy, but um, in opposition to migration, in opposition to, many, in many cases, women, is anti-Semitic. And so we're, we're seeing groups that are drawing upon each other for inspiration and drawing upon um, really uh, vitriolic, pretty dark strains that are, are really prevalent in social media. Mm. Do we know exactly how long this group had been planning? 
Uh, look, it's, it's safe to say that uh, they've been planning this for, for quite some time. I, I'm not privy to the information as to how long that had been occurring. But the fact that they were under surveillance uh, for so long uh, does tell us something. We know that they've got approximately 20,000 members. Now, in a, in a country the size of Germany, that might seem you know, reasonably small, but the authorities and, and various figures have estimated that 5 to 10% of those uh, that's about one to 2,000 people hold violent views mm. and attitudes and, and a willingness to use that. So if you take 1,000 um, somewhat trained um, members of a paramilitary organisation and attempt to affect change, you may not be immediately successful, but you may well achieve at least some of your initial goals. Josh, as you've been outlining, this group had uh, extremely violent plans. Is there any evidence that this violent ideology that you've been outlining will spread or is indeed spreading throughout Germany and Europe? To look at Germany specifically in recent years, um, there's, there's been shootings. For example, in 2020, uh, where a man shot dead nine people uh, who were seen as migrants in Hanau. Um, there's been other other plots that have been disrupted, and and if we look across uh, Europe, we've seen the effectively a, a reemergence of far right movements. They've always been there. They've always been effectively subsumed and uh, dominated by the state, but also wider public opinion. But they are gaining a little bit of a toehold in Europe, and we've seen that they've gained uh, traction in the US, right up to the level of the uh, former US president. And we know that in Australia there's a, a resurgent far-right movement as well. Now, on the one hand, we don't want to panic and, and, and overplay our hand in this and, and say that, you know, this requires drastic action and restriction of, uh, you know, civil rights and, and liberties. But on the other, it's important to understand the preconditions that are leading to the resurgence of these movements and for politicians and, and our leaders to stand up and actually take uh, serious action. What are some of those preconditions that you're seeing? Why are we seeing this re-emergence of the far right? Is it a cyclical thing or is there a certain factors at play here? We know that economic downturns, we know that uh, in particular um, you know, catastrophic events such as natural disasters and, for example, the COVID pandemic can, uh, can all lead and, and effectively uh, intersect. And, and it's at those points where there's... Uh, a bit of desperation, people who are looking for a source of meaning, people who feel themselves alienated, um, who feel like they've, they've effectively dropped in status, who are looking for something and looking for a meaning and a narrative that really captures their anger and their anxieties. And, and really that's what uh, extremist recruitment is all about. Uh, if it's the far right, be it on the other spectrum, uh, you could talk about Salafi jihadism over the years, uh, you could even talk about some traditionally some far left groups really hone in and, and seek to capture that anxiety and that alienation and that anger. And so we're seeing global inequality. We're seeing populist politicians who are prepared to give voice to that and, and a creation of a, a perfect storm of events that's giving rise or re-rise effectively in fertile soil for these groups. How can the German government and indeed governments around the world then get ahead of this rather than unearthing cells, this one in particular, 20,000 members? How can they get in before these groups grow to being this big and this far down with their planning? Yeah, uh, a great question. And, and to some extent, these groups are always going to exist. Uh, there's always going to be a small pocket. It's about the size of these movements and, and, and their ability to capture mass support. 
And a big part of this comes down to good basic uh, policy. Meaningful work and employment is absolutely critical and we've seen the stripping of uh, meaningful work over over a period of generations. Uh, We're talking about good education and we're talking about civility in in public space. And, And one thing that's really undermined that civility, particularly over the past decade, which has given rise to these groups, is the absolute anarchic realm of social media where you can do and say what you like and there are no consequences. Just finally, Josh, with the um, understanding about what was going on here with Germany's citizens of the Reich movement, does that make Germany a less safe place to visit? Mm. Germany, like any other country, um, particularly in Europe at the moment, is facing its, its internal sets of challenges. Really what's, what's driven that sort of division um, over there uh, politically has been the extent to which the, the, the country, for example, has dealt with uh, mass migration and there has been a mass migration in, in recent years. I would say to some extent Germany is, is pretty much on a par with any other traditional European country that Australians might visit. But the fact that uh, these groups are emerging and emerging en masse really should be of concern not only in Germany but internationally because they network together, they're talking to each other and it's the extent to which the state is actually capable of identifying that and and capturing it before it actually escalates into an attack that's critical. Dr Josh Roos, Senior Research Fellow at Deakin University, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for your time. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.